Welcome to Staying at the Table. We are friends and community, part of a church called Cornerstone Christian Fellowship in Westchester, Pennsylvania. Despite our many differences, we aim to stay at the table, which means we don't walk away from each other when we disagree. We believe the best of relationship comes when we are willing to listen to each other, showing love even when we continue to see the world differently. We want to welcome everybody back again. This is our fourth podcast with the amazing Reverend Sophia and have been loving this conversation. I I hope it's been hope, uh, helpful for everybody. It, it uh, just continues to enlighten and teach and um, just anchor in the understanding of how important this topic is. Uh, um, within the church. want to welcome um, Reverend James Beatty also. He is still at the table, and Matt has left the table. <laughs> That's so funny. No, Matt, Matt's youngest child, Nathaniel, has a, um, what is it called? Recital. A, a recital, recital today, and it's, it's wonderful. So he had to leave to be with his family, which is awesome. And we still have the amazing Dave Moore. Dave. Dave. So we ended the last um, podcast with talking about that not only was Sophia on this trajectory of change and entering into her true self, but Cornerstone itself as a church was also on uh, the same trajectory of change and becoming her true self. So both of these were running side by side. One was not influenced by the other. So, you know, because it was happening side by side, there were people who said, oh, you're doing this because of Sophia. And it really wasn't. It was it was just happening side by side. But ironically, um, the conversation we were having the, the the same internal struggle and challenge that Sophia was having within herself, <clears throat> the it was being manifested, not Sophia's struggle, but Cornerstone was having around the elder table mm-hmm. and around the conversation of being an inclusive community. And may I say again, it was filled with challenge. It was filled with uh, fear. It was filled with anxiety, and it was filled with, on some days, anger. Hmm. So I'm going to ask Sophia what that was like for her, because while she was beginning to embrace herself, and even that moment that you had where you went, what, what's the quiet? Mm-hmm. I, the battle is gone, and you, you finally fully embrace yourself. We are now having discussions at the table And you have, within yourself, opened up the door to your true self. Mm. And you're sitting at this table of conflict. Yeah. Tell us about it. To sum it up in one word, I would say hell. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I can imagine. I think that because I'm the only one at that table who knows, right? And and there's we, nine other people, listeners. There's nine other people, right? And we started having these conversations about October of some year, 2019, I believe. And 
I had just come out to my family in May. So it was only a couple months since I just came out to like my closest family members and, um, which went great. My family's awesome, super loving and supportive. Thank you. Uh, but so we started having these conversations. Nobody knew but Tracy and I was really in the wrestle and I was fighting and advocating for myself and really getting to a place of peace. And during the first few conversations, I felt this feeling of being at being on the table and at the table. Ooh, on the table. What does Mm -hmm. that mean? So imagine that, um, so it's essentially imagine any kind of group of people, right? So you have a whole bunch of straight people at a table, everybody who thinks I'm still straight at a table making decisions on behalf of gay people or vice versa, a whole bunch of white men making decisions about black and brown people and their rights, which has happened historically and continues to happen all the time. Now you're talking our constitution, but that's another story altogether. Right. We'll get into that in a few weeks. So essentially you're, you're, you're on the table, but you're not at the table. So you're up for debate. You're up for discussion. You're up for your rights and your, and your movement to be decided on without your voice at the table. And I just hit a moment in one of the meetings where I just freaked out and I started yelling at one of the guys, which I never yell people, um, started yelling at one of the elders and getting, and just kept pummeling these questions. I was like, this doesn't make sense. And after that, that's when I decided to come out and kind of reveal my true self and my journey that I had been on because I felt like it just was inauthentic. And once I made the decision to embrace myself, I was like, I can't do anything anymore that doesn't, that's not authentic. I can't lie about this anymore. And so I'll pause there, see where you want to go. Well, I want you to, because I want to make sure we get to the unlocking today. Mm -hmm. This is our last podcast on this, around this. I want to make sure we get to how you had to come out because this is a different journey Mm -hmm. and, and, and how many times you had to do it. And yeah. And, and, I, and I also want to back up and say, again, you and I are having a conversation. Yes. And we're having a conversation and you're telling me this. Mm-hmm. And I knew what was going to happen once it came out. I knew that there were going to be people that says because of her orientation, she now has to be removed from the table. Right. And that was going to open up another. But we needed your authenticity and we needed you in the conversation. Mm -hmm. So you began to come out. Yeah. But, and I just want to acknowledge the way that you had to do this was unfair. But it was also a protection for you. It was both unfair and unjust, but also something that would lessen the group reaction at the table. Mm-hmm. So can you share about how you had sure. to do this? Or how you we made the decision together. It wasn't that you had to do it this way. Yeah. So before I came to the whole elder table to share my story and where I was at with everything, I made the decision to have specific meetings with certain elders ahead of time to talk to them about it, especially people who I knew 
had made their stances more clear about not believing that it was okay and had those conversations and it was very challenging. Uh, and I think going into it all, my greatest fear, because the most important thing to me that I had built so hard, worked so hard for was I knew that I was called to ministry. I knew that I was called to love and I knew that I was called to influence this world and bring the hope of the love of God anywhere I went. That was something that I knew. And my greatest fear was that I would be discredited and no longer able to do that. I had been ordained. I had become an elder. And now this was coming to the surface. And I thought, you know, I, I don't want to lose it all. Going back to that piece of, I could never, I, could, I just can't imagine not being able to do this. This is what I'm meant to do. And, and you were battling your own, you were battling your own, self-acceptance even within this. Mm-hmm. So you weren't solid yet. No. I would say you're solid now, but you were not solid yet. Yeah. And I also want to say, because I think this is your integrity, before you became, before you were ordained, this was not even on the table. Mm-hmm. Nowhere near. Yeah. You were, or it wasn't even in a conversation. No. You were still hiding. Before you became an elder, it was more fluid. Mm-hmm. And our conversation again, you know, was I said, have you made the decision yet? And you said no. And I said, then become an elder. Mm -hmm. When you make the decision, if and when you make the decision, we will cross that bridge or we get to it. So I think that's important for people to also hear that. We were trying to iron this out, me pastorally with you and, and with integrity and you with integrity. Absolutely. So go ahead. Yeah. Thank you for that. And I did. I wanted to do it well, and I was so scared. Like I said, I had just recently started to say the words for the first time, which was would have been a betrayal to my old way of living. Mm. And so I just, I just think that it was the most beautiful, liberating time. Mm. And those moments of peace that started to happen held me when one of the uh, when when things would happen that were really hard in the middle of the conversation, people would say things like, "We we can't let gay people be leaders because you know I'm scared that they're going to affect my kids and hurt my kids," and or things like you know just different woundings that happened with people that said different things, and at one point the private conversation of the elders became a public conversation when one of the elders started calling people that he knew and told them about me. And that was super exposing when I, when not even a lot of my closest people knew. So that was a huge part of the journey. And then eventually once everybody started finding out about the quote unquote gay elder there was like two options, three options, maybe five options. And then it got narrowed down to me once my name got out there. And one of the hardest things I think along the journey was watching like almost 40% of the church leave. And a lot of those people being my friends, people who respected me and people who I thought would kind of be with me through the journey, but left. And I can remember I had one interaction with this person who always, every time they saw me, 
they always said, Hi, Reverend Sophia. So good to see you, Rev. And after they had found out, next time they came up to me at church, barely could acknowledge me, didn't hug me, didn't say Rev, just said my name. And I thought, man, that really hurt, right? Yeah. I remember that time and it, 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 of us talking about it as a church and understanding the principles that we had as elders within the church. Yeah. Our core values. That Our we core went values. Mm-hmm. And feeling so ticked off that those have been violated. Yep. People didn't follow them. Yeah. yeah. I, at that point in time, was kind of coasting along with my decision and thinking about it by being in seminary. Of course, you start uh, seeing how some of the the approaches and the arguments that had existed in church were didn't have a true foundation. But since it did, it wasn't about me. I was kind of coasting along in my thinking. Yeah, and 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 how I would address uh, the topic. But that really ticked me off. Yeah. When I said our core values are being violated and now I'm really going to jump in mm. because it's now not about the topic. It is about who are we if we will destroy and ignore our core values while we try to move through every topic of life. Mm. So to me, it became something much bigger, much broader than any individual topic. And I, 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 then it became my own. Yeah. It became my own fight at that point in time. Um, and I, I don't, I struggled to see, I, and I also wanted to not be about any individual one of right. us. And it had become that. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. And I was like, this is messed up. Yeah, because what you're making me think of, James, is what Sophia was saying, the humanity of who she was was lost. Mm -hmm. Now she became her orientation. Mm -hmm. Now it became an argument about the bounded set idea of clearly the Bible says Mm -hmm. this Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and and the humanity, the, the, the honor of allowing somebody to tell their own story. Mm was removed. Totally destroyed. Totally destroyed. And and it was more about winning mm-hmm. and more about, um, again, the bounded set thinking of it's got to go this way than it was about the humanity of this beautiful woman and friend mm-hmm. that, that you had. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I also want to say in the midst of this, in the midst of of being stripped of your dignity to allow your own story to come out in your own time, you're having to get up and preach. Mm-hmm. You're also navigating the way that you served and worshiped God as a as a minister called shoving this uh, identity down. Mm-hmm. And now being in that same place, you're you're exposed, you're naked. It's church at its worst. Mm-hmm. You have allies in the room. You have those that are going to leave in an hour. Mm-hmm. You have, you're preaching in that. And you're also trying to discover God anew in this environment and, 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 and identifying as 
as a, as an LBGTQ plus person. Mm-hmm. So talk about those. Yeah. We still got to get to the unlocking. I know. So We're gonna go can quick. you talk fast? <laughs> so basically, I feel like my fear and anxiety increased times like 100. Preaching, getting up, I would have nightmares. And as soon as I would get up to preach, I would think, I would look out in the crowd and be like, okay, who's going to get up and yell and tell me to get off the stage because you can't have a gay person preaching, let alone a woman, let alone X, Y, and Z. And so it was just like dread. It was something, it was a period of time where I was not like not in a good space because at that point I wasn't fully able to embrace what I call and what some people call the end of spirituality and sexuality, that you can be gay and be a Christian. You can not only just be gay, but I mean, I'm not giving the rules for life, but in myself, you can also be in a relationship, quote unquote, be acting on it and be a Christian, and be a minister. And be a leader. And be and a an leader, elder. a pastor, a reverend, and not be stripped of all those things, things, and to be together. And so that was a huge reconciliation for me, and at times I still reconcile that. I'm much more settled. But so I think over time it got easier, but initially there was still that conflict of like, is this okay? Am I okay? Can I still be, should I just leave, right? Can I still be a minister and be in a relationship with a woman? In keeping with the title of our podcast, Staying at the Table, what made you stay at the table? That's a great question. And I think, how? I think my conversations probably with you mm. helped a lot. And I think I can see it now. I couldn't see it yet, but the vision of the open doors mm. for the many stories and the faces that I hadn't met yet, but I thought about of the people who told, who because it, it, my heart was always that everybody would know they were loved by God. And I thought if this, if me being here can help just one more person know they can sit at our table and they can sit at the table of God's love, then it's worth it. Did you see mm-hmm. that during the time? I just have a vision of you because let me add in here, I I went on sabbatical for three months because this battle took me out, Yeah, right? So I'm like... You know, that among other things that had gone on in the church seven years ago, and then that just piled on that. It just was a lot, and this was the culmination, the the straw that broke the camel's back. I'm like, I am done. So I went on sabbatical for three months, and I live next door to church, and I'm watching. uh, It was a Sunday morning, and, you know, I'm walking around in my pajamas or something outside, really happy that I wasn't at church on that Sunday morning, and it was an outdoor service during the peak of covid And I walk over because it was a beautiful worship was up. It was lovely. So I walk over to Peak, and we have a giant parking lot that we were meeting in during COVID. And at the very, the furthest corner of the parking lot, 
there sits a chair and there sits Sophia. If she could have been in the middle of the street, as far away (laughs) from the service as possible. And I remember just looking and going, what is she doing? But I was not talking at that point to anybody. I was not talking to anybody at the church. So I was not in ministry mode. I was in, I need sabbatical. So I looked at her and I'm like, what is she doing all the way back here? But I could feel from her the tent, I could feel from you mm-hmm. the tension. I don't want to be here, mm-hmm. but I'm a leader. Mm-hmm. How do I? How I don't even know what I am doing. Yeah, talk about that. Yeah, I I think two things. I think absolutely there was several months where I just did not want to be anywhere near the church. I didn't want to be there. I felt hurt. I felt rejected by certain people in my life who were important, and just at the at, at a, as a whole, the system. I just felt like this is crap and like, this isn't what you do. This isn't how you treat people. And I think that this is just ridiculous. And I just didn't want to be there. I wanted to not be around it. But I think really what helped me was I had heard so many stories of friends who, when they came out to their churches, they just got kicked out altogether. They, you know, so many of you who I've talked to, have told me your stories and there was just no room at all. And I thought what held me was these are my people and they, they held a space for me. I was hurt by a quarter or half of them, but the others, there's a space and these are my people and there's more people like me who are waiting. And that kept me around, even though I was pretty much like, you know, an angry, I was just angry and just didn't want to be there. But I think that little glimmer of like, there's a space for me and I can see the hope of like, this is going to be awesome. So now Take us to the unlocking. Mm-hmm. That that's the part that um, I just think is so important. The what happened, Sophia, with from the anger, from the difficulty, um, you know. And, and again, ironically, I was on sabbatical, so you and I were not talking at that time because I, I I wasn't talking to anybody. Mm-hmm. I, it was Tony and I, my husband and I. And that was it. I mean, that's who I was with. So take us to that, to the unlocking. Mm -hmm. I think after we put out our inclusion statement and we kind of made a stance, we got through the the hardest part of the journey, I feel, and we, we went for it. I started, I think there was two things. I think I felt like a collective and a community of love. And that was huge because I started to see the story about church and spirituality shift within my own community. And I started to continue to embrace the, my rest within myself. I was, I was in, I'm in a relationship that was giving me love and life like, like I've never experienced. I think, but really what helped me to shift even more so was when people started getting wind about Cornerstone being accepting and the faces of those who finally had a place at the table started. I looked around one Sunday and I started seeing them and I was like, Oh my gosh, this is what it was for. Mm. This is what it was for is that there's no barrier now between God and and these these beautiful faces, these new friends. Mm. Mm-hmm. 
And that was a game changer for me. Mm. And I knew that there, I knew that I wanted to share my story, but I didn't know how to share my story. And Brene Brown talks about vulnerability being the, the, the birthplace of creativity and innovation. Yes. And I think once I allowed all the parts of myself to come together and all the parts of myself could start to show up in life. And I started being able to show up as a whole person and the parts of myself that had been hidden and rejected also carried with them beauty and, and life. And something that happened was I wanted to start creating and releasing. And I, I felt this whisper in my soul that said, paint rainbows, share your story and raise awareness for suicide prevention. Mm. And that was January of 2021. Full circle. Full circle. And painting became the vehicle for me to share my story and publicly declare that yes, there is a new path forward and it exists of yes, I can be Christian and I can still be a power, a powerhouse lover of God and fully in ministry and fully also embrace my sexuality and still make a difference in this world. And the color on the canvas and the paint and the stories helped me to express that reality. And what happened from that was people from all over the world started reading my story and saying, I never knew there could be an and. And I always hoped there would be because I felt so lost. And I never felt like I could embrace myself. But because I heard your story, I feel like I can still love Jesus mm. and still be me. They don't have to be separate. And that to me is the most important thing, is that we as people make no barrier for our friends, our brothers and sisters. Let there be no barrier for them to know and experience and be in the love of God. Just have to breathe that in for a yeah. minute. That's that's deep. That's sweet. I think everything else sounds petty to try to add on to that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Everything else is detail versus um, God's desire to be in total unity with every human being. Yeah. And that orientation, the demon we've tried to make it within church is really the demons in us. Mm. Um, so thank you for sharing that. Thank you. Thanks for having me. We're going to have um, um, information on suicide um, hotline in our uh, 
podcast information. Um, you know, if you want to have conversations with any of us, please contact Cornerstone Christian Fellowship, and uh, we'll be happy to have conversations about this with you and help you journey. And again, this fall, we're going to have a, a conference on the LGBTQIA plus community and, and healing in the church. And, um, yeah. Yeah. Talk to us, talk to someone. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's affirming. And what I mean by that is someone that will hear you and not try to shift you. It sounds like uh, the conversation between Pastor Tracy and Sophia throughout this time, the, the biggest piece let the other person talk hmm. without the predisposition that you have to change them. Why are you afraid they may not change? That's what I, I, I this whole experience from a person on the outside looking in for the topic was, I couldn't believe people were so afraid of what the answer may be. Hmm. And that was strange. Hmm. That an all-powerful God, we got to be afraid for that God. Yeah, because God be bigger than what we think. Why would God be afraid? I kept saying, if I was that kind of God, why would I be afraid? Right. Yeah. And that's how I remember this coming across, and that was confusing. Mm -hmm. That why couldn't we talk? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Well... So thank you for your courage. Thank you. It's lovely and so, so deeply appreciate it. And glad you stayed at the table. Yes. yes. And fought through the fears and the anxieties and the difficulty and the reputation slandering and all other kinds of stuff. And, you know, again, this is why we stay at the table. Yeah. Because if you left in the middle, we would not have the richness that we have now. And you stayed at the table of discovering and responding to the invitation of God to your true self. And we wouldn't have had the richness of and the fullness of who you are yeah. and your beautiful art, by the way. We'll yes. have information on how to get that, too, because her art is, is every every piece has a story. Every piece has a title. Every piece has a further unveiling of the unlocking. Yeah. So it's and it's called unlocking. Unlocked artists. Unlocked on, artists on, on Instagram. On Instagram. So you are welcome to see that. And while you're clicking on unlocked artists on the Instagram, click on staying at the table on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> and we invite you to again share this with your friends, with your family. Take the journey, and don't be afraid to stay at a table through the conflict and difficulty, because there's a beautiful story at the end of it. Yeah. So we want to thank you. To everybody, Sophia, James, Dave, for being a part of our, our podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Have a good day. Staying at the Table is hosted by Dr. Tracy Saletta, Matthew Kissler, and James Beatty, and produced by Hear It Sound and Studio. Got a question or a comment or a topic you want discussed? Email us at adminccf at gmail.com. We'd love hearing from you. And don't forget to subscribe to keep up to date with new episodes coming out 
And if you're feeling kind, leave us a review on whatever platform you listen to podcasts. Find out more about staying at the table at cornerstonewestchester.com.